Good morning and welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. I am Nathan and joining me today is Craig. Good morning. And Susie. Hello. And we have some email feedback for you this week. <clears throat> so basically his question was trying to get access to the forums. Um, where he signed up and hadn't been approved. Uh, basically because I had the settings wrong and it wasn't actually sending me any emails. But also because we closed the forums down. And, um, <laughs> so there's no point in joining the forums. Well, that was his reply. Um, he actually, I actually heard about the spam issue while listening to the latest podcast today. Typical. If I'd listened to the podcast first, I wouldn't have bothered you. See you on the Facebook page. <laughs> Cheers, Johnny. So, yes, good. Johnny, we will see you on the Facebook page. And um, for those of you that did miss the notice, we're not using the forums on the web page anymore. Uh, we're going to try and use the Facebook page more which hopefully be a bit more responsive and a little less spammy. Because Nathan spends all day on Facebook. Basically, because I spend all day on Facebook. Don't tell my boss. Um, boss, if you're listening, somebody from your work ignore. listen? <laughs> no, uh, Damien does. Hi, Damien. Uh, but he's in IT. So okay, so he's, he won't stop you in. He spends all day on Facebook. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but also, he's, he's in a prime position to dob me in for spending time on Facebook, because that's kind of his area. But anyway, right. um, he won't. He's good. We like None of this can be constituted as an admission that is... Yeah, uh, Nathan does not admit in court. any... Exactly. Jokes. Uh, I'm also in charge of the Newland Facebook page, so I have to spend some time on Facebook anyway. Right. Uh, and we got a message from Kerry. Now, that name should be familiar to you guys. If you remember from last week, Kerry sent us Mom, a message... Last month. Last six weeks ago. Shut up. Um, Kerry sent us a message about our stereo podcast was warbling. Uh, when he was listening, he, he, she, they were listening to it on... I think it's a he. Um, uh, on the on an Android. On an Android at double speed. At double and speed. And we sound funny double speed. And uh, it was... Well, he didn't say that originally. He just said it was warbling because it was in stereo. And so you'll all have noticed that this last episode we did in mono. To try and alleviate the problem. Mono, oh. mono, mono, mono. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he sent us a message back. He, she, they, it. The podcast has been wobbling dramatic, dramatically for me for a long time. Perhaps it was related to listening at double speed. Um, and it was just our podcast that was doing it. However, started listening to this month's show and the problem remained. Then he upgraded his Samsung phone to the latest firmware and the problem disappeared apparently it was a subtle bug in android 4.1.2 hmm. but now so it's nothing to do with our um, but was so, there something that now we sound really scary at normal speed or something well is he because he tried listening to it at normal speed and See, it sounds really weird what because... the hell do i sound like at double speed <laughs> well no it's not it's not it's blah, not doubling blah, blah, blah. the pitch it's well, yes, it's only doubling the speed, not, <laughs> not, not the speed. Yeah, but pitch. I speak really but, fast. Well, possibly. Uh, anyway, finishes. Anyway. Just thought you'd like to know in case somebody else complains. Bloody complainers. Yeah. Thanks again for the show. Well, I think it's really good that Samsung listened to our podcast and identified the problem. The and <laughs> their firmware. Yeah, yeah. Going to Samsung. That was our email feedback this week. Notice board. Save the dates. Fifth and seventh. Sorry, fifth to just. 
Well, we mentioned this last month. <coughs> yes, 5th to the 7th of December, we are having the New Zealand Skeptics Conference here in Auckland. And we are having our special guests, the Skeptics Guide to the Universe peeps, and George Schraub coming to be guests at the conference, which is fantastic news. And we are well underway with organising it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh like that, Susie. <laughs> Oh, no, that's just that was the guffaw that gold would be um yeah <laughs> would right. be releasing at this stage. Okay. Hi, gold. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. And so, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be close to April the sixth, yep. of Sunday. Well, yes. I'll get it out this week. If and um, apparently, there's seventh. cool sciencey stuff happening. The on Sunday, the 6th whatever of April. the Sunday is, whether it's the sixth or the seventh. All oh, right. Um, the first yeah, Sunday cool sciencey stuff happening at Motat. Uh, we are having a science street fair at Motat. There'll be hoverboards. There'll be <gasps> what hoverboards? Uh, robots. Straight out of Back to the there'll future. There'll be all sorts of awesome stuff, and of course, some glowing bacteria. So you should come along. It'll be cool. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Hoverboards. 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 Yeah. I want a hoverboard. You need to come. I want a goddamn there. hoverboard. I'm going to obviously. Um, <laughs> sciencey stuff at Motat. Try and drag me away. What's the bit? It won't be as cool as the one. Yeah, it'll be a big, huge lead. It'll be like a, a leaf blower. On a, I, on it has nothing to do with me. I, I don't. The hoverboard has nothing to do with me. But um, there is other still other. Will cool the stuff. hoverboard be glowing in the dark? Uh, I don't think so. Ah, sorry. Okay, because it'll be during the day. Oh yeah, you could do it. In but it should be cool. And it's kind of the pilot. Something that we'd like to do bigger and better. So this is just a kind of getting a feel for it, seeing mm-hmm. who's around and who wants to do cool stuff and whether people want to see cool stuff. Okay. And so you so just get come lots along of people and, there, invite all your friends. Yeah, come yep. along and see, see what you think. Okay. Let us know. Um, we might be doing um, what are the things that I'm involved in? So we'll do something with glowing bacteria. Yeah. Possibly something to do with um, extracting DNA from things. <gasps> possibly even your own cheeks. Or we'll certainly give you some stuff about can how you can extract. Can we clone ourselves? No. Damn it. I really want to clone myself. <laughs> Please don't do <laughs> that. You know I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it should be cool. It should be good fun. And it's not just, you know, I, we want to get away from just stuff that's directed at kids. We want mm. it to be fun for everybody. So okay, awesome. Along. Oh, well, I'll be there. Mm. <clears throat> maybe uh, maybe next year, if it takes off, we could have a, um, a live podcast or something. Oh, that would be cool. Everyone would want to do that. Cool. And the Auckland Readers and Writers Festival, 14 to 18 May. Yeah, I still can't tell you anything about this uh, other than that, that there's going to be some awesome people there. Uh, the um, the festival program launches on the 18th of March. So by the time, um, so by the time of the next podcast, I'll be able to tell you um, who will be there. But it Yay. should be pretty cool. So is it someone awesome? It is someone awesome. Ah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what you call a teaser. (laughs) (coughs) Okay, Uh, okay, cool. So that's all the notice board stuff. Um, Again, the news. And it's not really newsy news, but it was interesting. We wanted to talk about it. The ham on nye debate. Um, (laughs) That almost sounded like some kind of sandwich. It's supposed to. Okay. It's, it's a it's a sandwich and ham on rye. Yeah. Ham on nye debate. You guys, I heard that before. Okay. No. Um, that's what everyone. Well, there's been various various puns. Okay. Ham on nye. Sorry. So I Bill Nye, Bill the nye science guy. Ham. Right. <laughs> well done. So Bill Nye, the science guy, and Ken Ham, the creation loony, um, who's originally from well, Australia. Fallacy. 
Yeah, poisoning the well. That was me poisoning the well. Um, it's not a fallacy if it's true. <laughs> Uh, so or he's if it's relevant. from Queensland, yes. Yes. Um, so Ken Ham is well known for the Creation Museum, and Bill Nye is well known for being awesome and having a cool TV show in the 90s. Yes. Um, Back when you were just a kid, Nathan. Uh, a teenager, yeah. <laughs> Not that young. So, uh, Bill Nye. Sorry, I should say Ken Ham challenged Bill Nye to a debate, and to the surprise of everyone, Bill Nye accepted. And it went out on the 4th of February-ish, and it was surprisingly good, I thought. Um, I made some notes, so I did my notes first, because you've got more notes by the looks of it. If you must. Okay, I thought the video quality was very good, and I thought the moderator was very good. So right. the first two things I wrote down. Uh, I wondered a bit at the end whether the moderator was kind of on our side because right at the end he um, throughout the, right at the end there was a question and answer questions from the audience and someone asked the question which hadn't come up during the debate of what would change your mind yes. and it was directed towards Ken Ham and then immediately afterwards the moderator asked Bill Nye the same question and I kind of I was wondering for a second whether it was sort of a setup, whether that was sort of been organised, because it was very convenient. It was right at the end, and it was absolutely perfect to sum but up. It was the a question from the audience, though. Wasn't well, it? they said it was a question from the audience, yeah. um, but that's just my conspiracy theory. Um, I thought Bill repeated himself uh, a little bit. He kind of made some of the same points over and over again. Um, I thought it was a bit odd. Um, he seemed to be very patriotic, and he mentioned how awesome America was. Quite a few times, but it is, which, isn't it? Well, it's number one and all that, but um, well, <laughs> I just kept thinking about that um, clip. I can't tell you what the TV show was, but it was. Um, I can't tell you who the actor is either. That's useful. This cool right, clip okay. that was on TV once, where a guy went off his nut at a question from the audience about how awesome America was. If I find it, I will stick it in. Um, okay, okay. Well, put a link. Not any bells for me. No, it was very good. Anyway. Um, I just thought it was uh, it was a bit odd and a bit pointless, but that's fine. Um, Ken Ham was about as expected, and I thought Bill did a lot better than everyone was expecting him to do. Um, he made a lot of good points, and um, everyone was, well, most people, so pretty impressed with the overall debate. I, the one thing I thought Bill could have done better is taken a bit more of what Ken said and addressed it a bit more directly. There are a few points where Ken sort of made a point and Bill either missed what he was saying and addressed it in a slightly different way, almost a straw man, but not, a, not in a deliberate sense. Yeah. And um, and a few things that Ken said that he missed completely and sort of didn't address. Um, I should have probably written some of the specific points down, would have been more helpful. But yeah, that well, was I my... Did. Did, okay, Craig, that was my sort of brief overview of what I thought of the debate. Yeah. Well, well, I think I think well. Firstly, on the moderator, you know, I thought the moderator was pretty good, and probably he was a good moderator because he didn't actually um, uh, reveal what his position was. Mm. Um, he was a guy from CNN, um, and so yeah, I think I think I think the moderator was good. Um, as far as Bill Nye went, yeah, everybody was expecting him to um, not be very good um, because he 
been interviewed on TV previously, and when he's interviewed in a sort of a live situation where he doesn't know what the questions are ahead of time, it seems like he waffles a bit and he doesn't seem to be very confident. But in in the um, in the debate, whether he's on drugs or what, I don't know. But um, he came across as um, uh, quite polished and um, and certainly confident, and and didn't sort of stumble around on his words and all that sort of stuff. So he actually did very well. Mm. Although I think um, he actually started talking about his bow tie, and I thought, oh my god, what's he doing talking about that? Yeah, and that um, opening joke get the audience. Yeah, relaxed, yeah. But so he yeah, tried was... to he tried to warm up the audience, but I think as people have pointed out previously, the the audience was probably chock full of creationists. Um, and yeah. there would have been very few people in the audience who uh, were probably supportive of the um You could argue that it's even more things. reason that Bill wants to get them on side Sure, first sure. Well, I, I, I think, yeah, so his, his technique, Bill's technique generally was to sort of point out all the absurdities of creationism. Um, so he, he brought up examples of things like um, tree rings that we have, that um, there's a, there's a uh, tree... In fact, last year they cut down the oldest oldest tree in the world. Apparently, hmm. um, it's a bit sad. Yes, well, they like didn't. They didn't know it was, was something like nine and a half thousand years old or something. Yeah. It's an interesting story in that um, somebody there were some people out and doing some measurements on this tree. So they had this device that they stuck into a tree to to sort of get a core sample yeah. and count the rings and so on and that, then they couldn't get it out and so they, one of the people that was with them said oh we'll just cut the tree down so we can get your device out and then after, and then, <laughs> after that time they realised how old yeah, it was they they the actually, well we've just killed the oldest tree in the world <laughs> just oh, so we can hilarious. get back this, uh, this device that um, yeah so to um, be fair it's probably worth thousands of dollars the device right the core drill what what cost the tree what value the tree the well, oldest it cost tree anything world. obviously it's like killing the last of a species in order to get back the. They're watch not quite the same as killing the last of a species, which could have longer, um, right. long term effects anyway, on them. So, um, yes, yeah, so so that was one of the examples. So, um, there's a tree that um, that was nine and a half thousand years old, and then also through um, the science of dendrochronology, they can. Um, show that there are trees that sort of match up that yeah. go back well over 10,000 years. So so just that point alone refutes um, Ken Ham's claims that the world is um, 6,000 years old. Um, and then uh, Bill Nye also brought up the um, ice core samples that they've done in the Antarctic and mm. which show um, sort of 600,000 years ago. Right. Uh, right, so a bit of a glitch there. There may be a bit of an odd break in the podcast because Craig's computer crashed. Well, not quite, but yes. Well, it stopped, it stopped recording anyway. Okay, so we're on my computer now, so the uh, sound quality might not be as good as well. Don't but us. yes, so I was talking about a dendrochronology and how we can um, see that we've got tree rings that go back well over 12,000 years, probably further than that. So yeah. they basically they, they match up um, seasonal growth on trees and, and they, from multiple and they, trees as yes, well yes. they, so they can up. match them up and they overlap yeah. and so they've got trees that are older that have died which matched yeah. up with trees that are still living and so on which Bill didn't go into a great deal of no, detail no 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 well he, he really it. he didn't have time to go no. into all those technical points um, but but I think again as I said it planted seeds in minds and somebody who was uh, not a full blown um, died in the wall creationist may well uh, uh, consider these points, and um, there may have been some people that were watching research. that have, would have been yeah. open to it. Yeah, I think One, the other point. Oh, we finish your list, and I'll... yeah. So, so um, of course, Ken Ham brought up his classic uh, 
distinction in science between observational science and Ugh. historical science. Yes. And how, over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And so, so Susie, so you may want to comment on this, but apparently there is this uh, distinction in science that there are observational sciences that um, you can go and do experiments in the lab and see the results, and there are historical sciences where you have to look at things from the past and infer things. It's bullshit. Well... Uh, and so, so Ken says we can't do anything about, about the past because nobody was there to observe it. Okay. Mm. Well, that is yes. Yeah, I and it's tell- been adequately addressed in many, many videos yeah. on YouTube. You just have to Google it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, one of the one of the major things that Bill didn't pick up on was a stunning example of creationist dishonesty, where um, Ken Ham brought up the example of uh, where. One of his one of his mates, Dr. Andrew Snelling, uh, who worked in the mining industry in Queensland back in the nineties. Um, so the, they did a uh, a sa- sample of basalt rock that had some fossilized wood in it. And so what they did was they sent the basalt rock rock to one laboratory to date it using potassium argon dating and it came back as 45 million years old and then they sent the fossilized wood to another laboratory to do radiocarbon dating on it and it came back at 45,000 years old yeah. and so Ken Ham saying well how can this be That's, uh, so that proves that the dating methods are inaccurate. Well if and, I remember and, correctly it's because one of them is designed to date very very large ranges yes, and the other one is designed for very very small so it would be like using an hourglass to time a millisecond event or something. Yeah. So right. essentially radiocarbon dating has a has a limit uh, because the half-life of carbon is so short that it has a limit of resolution of probably somewhere around 50,000 years. Yeah. And so anything that you date that is older than 50,000 years is going to come up with a date of 50,000 years. Right. And any, any carbon-14 that's in the sample, probably from contamination or... Yeah stuff is going to show up as 50,000 years. And so this is this is a dishonest approach to testing um, stuff. Right. And there's a, there's a whole lot of really interesting stuff around radiocarbon dating that I read about, about how they have actually have calibrated it. So they can, um, they can send stuff that we know the age of to labs yes. and calibrate it and figure out, like, basically back to the tree rings. They can go and say, well, we know how old this tree is and... Mm. And uh, from counting its rings. And now, a creationist would say yeah. that that is circular reasoning. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be wrong, I suppose. Yes. But anyway, so interestingly, um, there was a poll on Christian Today after the uh, after the debate, and ninety two percent of respondents thought that Bill Nye won the debate. Yes, on of course, the Christian website. Well, yes, ostensibly of course, this could have been. Could have been bombed by uh, <laughs> I, I'm, going I'm scientific on the, online survey. But I, did still. Like, I did like though the thing that um, the little meme that went around, which was basically um, the ham guy saying what would convince him mm-hmm. that yep. he was wrong, and it was like nothing. nothing. And what would convince the science guy? Evidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was kind of the the main point of the debate, which I think I mentioned is why I was really surprised that it only came out as an audience question. Yeah. And I'm wondering whether there wasn't someone in the audience deliberately planted so that they could ask that question at the end of the debate. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, but that was, yeah. I think, um, I think though, at the end of the day, I'm not sure whether it's a good thing because it really has, if you go and look at the Answers in Genesis website now, they've got all these post-debate 
refutations of the points mm. that Bill and I made. Oh, and so it's like we've gone and kicked a hornet's nest and now they're really angry and they're yeah. <laughs> coming up with all this crap. Well, yeah. I'm reminded of um, the Shakespeare quote, the lady doth protest too much, mm. thinks. Well, one so, of the ideas I was I was sort of thinking in my head before the debate was wouldn't it be better to have a series of online video type debates where one of them makes their points and then the other one makes a rebuttal video and then so on and so forth um oh, but yeah. It, yeah it does make that much difference um okay so but yeah it's interesting and yeah. and i think also last month we mentioned about the arkham counter and their bonds well, yes so just recently they've announced that actually it is going to go ahead and they've actually yeah. now got enough money to start the project so the people are speculating that perhaps um the online debate publicized um them and so caused people to give them more money hmm. but i also have heard that um that the company that's building the arc is separate from answers and genesis and answers and genesis and have in fact purchased some of the bonds themselves <laughs> So, okay. okay, that's a little bit weird. So yeah, yep. yeah, robbing Peter to pay Paul apparently. It did. Um, it did come up on my Facebook this morning actually. A news article about um, the guy that was in that debate is now planning on building a, an Ark Encounter. Blah blah blah. Which yeah. I didn't really look at because I assumed it was old news. But obviously that's something that they're planning on going ahead with now. Yep. Yep. All right. Moving on. Um. Apparently, um, this has been oh, a study perceptions that shows of race. that yes. Yes. I stereotypes this was interesting. drive perceptions of race. Tell us about this research. Well, um, so you would think that if somebody were asked you what race you were, you would be able to give an answer that would be the same whether you were asked today or whether you were asked in 10 years' time. I'm pretty confident that that is in fact the case, yes. Right. But apparently that's not the case. You <gasps> would be wrong. What? Because um, apparently, um, like for some people, your definition of what race you are is not actually um, clear cut. Hmm. But or is it? Or is it more from the study? Is that they're suggesting that the way you report your race or the way you feel about your race has to do with your conditions and your environment and and where yeah, you so are. So they at gave the some. They gave some examples of like um, if you were a a lawyer who went to prison for doing something bad and then you came out of the out of prison at the end of 10 years then you would be more likely to report yourself as a race that um was stereotypically, stereotypically a prison yeah. so do, but does this apply to mixed race people yeah well that was yeah, one well, of the, that that one of the questions like, the interviewer mentioned is, is, I can't is see. this is this for people whose race is already dubious um, dubious is not quite the yeah. right way of putting it. Dubious. Not easily be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but one of the interesting things, the examples they gave was like, um, so say with a um, an undertaker who was dealing with somebody who had died of yes. um, cirrhosis of the liver would be more likely to report that person as um, Native American. Native American. Right. Because oh, their the stereotypes say that people who die of um, Native Americans are more likely to die of cirrhosis of the liver because they're big drinkers. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And here's that question you just asked. Um, it's possible that there are people who have ambiguous physical features and can be interpreted as being one race or the other. Yeah. Saperstein tried to control for that. Even after you eliminate people who might seem to be as a physical race, she found the effect persisted. 
Um, much more important, she found that if the race was just ambiguous, then you would expect the changes in classifications would be, be fairly random. random. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was that was the main interesting point, is that even people who are clearly white or clearly black or clearly uh, Hispanic or whatever um, are reporting themselves differently based on circumstance mm. or how they feel about mm. themselves. I mean, I can't see either of us ever describing ourselves as black. No. Could we, though think of ourselves as being maori well i could say that you were yeah i mean it's certainly possible that somewhere in my ancestry there's some maori blood right i, d I don't think there is but right um well there's definitely not in mine but no yeah. so you you put, so that's the two things was reporting other people's race and reporting one's own race yes and the reporting but, your but own the interesting race thing the, about well the interesting thing about maori is that it really is hard to tell if somebody is maori or not mm. because um your skin color yeah is you're not lily white no and so you could easily be maori hmm. so my perceptions and stereotypes of maori could well uh color my impression yeah. as to whether you're maori but or the interesting white, thing about the effect Caucasian would be that whatever the appropriate yeah. pc term is for if, if i if i went to prison or moved to south auckland or something like that yeah. i could be more likely to report myself as maori yeah not now obviously because i've read the report but <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's weird and it's, it's probably for you you'll never ever make a um stereo mis stereotypical driven misperception yeah. in the future Nathan. and living in south auckland doesn't automatically make one's like make one a maori no, that's no, a stereotype no, which isn't necessarily true <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah sorry that was... um yeah it, that's just really weird and i that we need to read more about that and find out um how that's replicated hmm okay cool that was that one and moving on to magnetic bracelets Susie something a bit more classical <laughs> uh, so I saw this one on um, a science science daily website and it sort of uh, interest to me this magnetic bracelets because I think when we think of magnetic bracelets we think of all these kind of woo devices that are not really anything but actually this is a an implantable <gasps> magnetic bracelet that um, they're saying will bring relief to people with um, acid reflux mm -hmm. so um, what surgeons are doing is implanting a small band of titanium <sighs> beads um, around the esophagus just above the stomach Right. And then um, bracelet might be a little bit misleading. Well, band, yeah, band, and it was bracelet yeah. in. Yes, but, I see. Yeah. But, but but hang on, hang on. The actual bracelet part isn't the magnetic part, is it? It's got magnets in it or something. Oh, is it it yeah. is round right. in the shape of a bracelet because it is going over a tube, which is the esophagus, oh, okay. and it has magnets around it. And the idea is that uh, essentially it opens and closes. So when um, so how do you trigger it right. to open Well, I'm going to try and find that out now. So, okay. So the oh, band... Oh, strong enough. Oh, cool. Yeah, so the band is strong enough to allow food and liquids to pass normally, but then closes after swallowing to give a magnetic barrier to reflux. Which wouldn't be as much pressure. Yeah. Trying so to come back up. That That's can... quite clever. Oh, That's quite clever. Right, right, right. So as you swallow, it expands and lets yeah. the food pass through. Yeah, and, and then, then closes then it again. Closes yeah. back together again, and it stops the reflux. So they could have used back. a rubber band just as easily. Probably not well, no, just as easily. It wouldn't the... have been more reliable. Yeah, wouldn't have been reliable. Right. Um, so that's presumably for quite severe acid reflux. I'm probably not going to go and get <laughs> surgery well, because every have... now and then yeah. <laughs> I get a bit. Yeah, you should um, just improve your diet. 
I well, probably yes, should there do. Is yes. That. Uh, so oh, that's really clever. It is, and they're, what they're saying is because actually this um, this sort of really bad heartburn and, and acid reflux, if if left untreated, can cause serious complications, including um, esophageal esophageal cancer. Because mm. of course so, it's an acid coming back yeah. up your throat and damaging your. Anyway, it's been approved by the FDA for development and testing. It's undergoing clinical trials, and so they're starting to implant them in patients. Cool. And but you can't buy these cool. at sports shops. <laughs> <laughs> so it says here in one trial, ninety percent of patients achieved a reduction time um, at a reduction in time exposed to acid, with ninety-three percent reporting a at least a fifty percent reduction over two years and they were off 92% of patients were off their drugs mm-hmm. now just because I've been listening to the SGU cool. again recently that would make a great science or fiction yeah because you'd say magnetic bracelets have been proven to cure acid reflux yeah. and da 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 yeah we should send it to uh, it's probably a bit late now too late now everyone knows about it there's a very small window of time where the SGU hosts don't actually yeah. have read they've probably, they've probably read the read before, before we did yeah um, yeah well done Cool. So magnetic bracelets proven yeah. to be ah. Now this one's probably mine, but I haven't hoping. actually read the whole article yet. Oh, Nathan. Sorry. Well, because we were trying to sort this sound out and whatnot. But Kent Hovind has filed a complaint against Rational Wiki for libel from jail. Of course, because he's we're not in talking jail. about creationists again, are we? Sorry. Yes, and it's another Kent. Yes. <laughs> <coughs> Is, What's um, he in jail for? Uh, tax fraud. Oh, okay. He didn't have to pay taxes. No, 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 no. He's all not his a money, convicted tax fraudster. He's a tax evader. Evader, sorry, because all of his money belongs to Jesus. Inverted oh, commas. He didn't have to pay tax. Right. Uh, so except he was, the IR, yeah. IRS disagreed. Okay. Yeah. So, so he was he was like, there's a law in the States where banks have to report withdrawals over $10,000. Mm-hmm. And so he was withdrawing $9,999 ah. <laughs> in order to get under the um, reporting uh, threshold wow. so the banks wouldn't report him. Right. And, and apparently uh, someone did. And so this was kind of used as evidence that actually he knew what he was doing and he was right. doing right. it deliberately. deliberately. Okay. Anyway, so he went to jail for 10 yes. years or something. and He must be nearly getting out, though, Well, he's going to be out in mid-2016, apparently. But his son, Eric, has taken over the reins. Which, of course, is who Kent Hovind is. He runs Answers in... Not Answers no, no, in... Is the other one? CSE. Uh, creation C- Ministry or Creation, creation Science, Science Evangelism. Yeah, that one. Yeah, usual, typical anyway. creationist bullshit. But anyway... um. He's known, known as, a really, he's known as Dr. Yes. Dr. Dino. Dr. Dino, that's he the one. Was a, he got a PhD, supposedly, from a place called Liberty University, where he didn't actually really have to do anything for his PhD except write yeah. up this ridiculous thesis that begins with, Hello, my name is Kent Hovind. Wow. <laughs> and there's a really great video, if you Google it or YouTube it, uh, search YouTube for Kent Hovind Tribute. Brilliant song about how um, he's in jail and, and he's an idiot. Yeah, um, right. He is an idiot. Anyway, so, so he's he's uh, filed a complaint, a libel complaint against Rational Wiki. Now, Rational Wiki is a wiki uh, about scepticism and rationality, obviously. Uh, here it is. Site specialising in analysing and refuting pseudoscience and the anti-science movement, documenting blah, 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 blah. As you can expect, they aren't too kind to YECs and don't sugarcoat their work. They call Hovind a woo-meister 
and a true huckster. Wow. Which is possibly uh, the dangerous term mm. uh, to use. But um, you're so, complaining about being called a convicted tax, tax fraudster. Oh, I see. So it's very specific about the uh, thing. Okay. Yeah. Instead of tax evader. Uh, right. Okay. So that's that's the gist of it, is it? So he's looking for two and a half million, apparently. I'll set him up when he comes out of prison. Yeah. Well, he probably doesn't. He's, he's certainly making enough money off of his, no, okay. or his son is anyway. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So yeah, that was just... So um, be careful what you say. Came up on doubtful news this morning, so put that in there. Um, hmm. Ken Hovind is a huckster and a fraud. In your opinion? No, he just is. That's facts. Facts. Yeah. Proven, very proven deep, fact. Very deep pockets. Go sue Nathan. <laughs> Nathan. Sue me. See you in court. Yep. <laughs> um, so, doubtful news. Egyptian army claims to have cured AIDS. Susie, Indeed. this is good news. Yeah. As long as they're not using some sort of um, weird diviny dowsy roddy. Well, it's kind of unclear. So, this is a story um, that uh, the Major General <laughs> Ibrahim Abdel Ati, who's head of the Cancer Treatment and Screening Center for the Egyptian army, says, I defeated AIDS with the grace of my God at the rate of 100%, and I defeated hepatitis C. And that's kind of it, really. Wait, so, so the Egyptian army has a cancer treatment and screening center? Apparently so. What? Um, but, but, what? but the... Um, yeah, it's kind it's of unclear. There's a, oh, that's right. Yeah, complete cure device which draws blood from the patient, breaks down the disease and returns the purified blood back to the body. What the fuck? It cures ailments in as little as 16 hours. So this but, doctor says, I will take the AIDS from the patient and I will nourish the patient on the AIDS treatment. I will give it to him like a skewer of kofka to nourish him. And what is kofka? That's a, um, a uh, isn't it a dish of meat? Like well, it's a, obviously some yeah. sort of meat if it's on a skewer. On a skewer. A skewer. Yeah. Well, you can have vegetarian kebabs. You can have vegetarian kebabs. <laughs> <laughs> and you can shove them up your ass. <laughs> Anyway, the um, the scientists in Egypt oh, um, dish of ground meat. Sorry, have um, have basically come out and went. No, what are you doing? Gosh, Egypt's going down the so path. It, well, it is a it is a um, it is a appealing idea, isn't it? That you could somehow just take the blood out of somebody in some way, purify it, killing all the things in it, and pump it back into them, and then they'd be cured. Mm. Well, all of the pseudoscientific mm. ideas are. Appealing because yeah. of the simplicity. Yeah. That's that's how it propagates. It's why it's so popular. Yeah. Um, so we should work on developing one of those. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've we've talked about that on more than one occasion. And as yet, our um, goddamn consciences and ethical standards have gotten in the way. Oh no no no! no. This one will work. Oh yeah. Oh, right. I can't do that. Hard, surely. No, of course not. I don't know. Well, okay. Anything else we anyway, can say about that? What can you say? Yeah. <laughs> so is that is that the article that I saw that was about dowsing rod devices? Well, I, I, no, no, I do, I do think no. it does actually have something to do with dowsing, but because I heard something else about it too, but and they reckon that they could identify um, identify people with AIDS without even actually taking a blood sample. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. Maybe they're just well, you could, maybe so, okay, so let's clarify this. You probably could 
you could probably could identify someone with AIDS because they would look immensely ill. You could not identify with someone as HIV because sure. they do Didn't not AIDS, look yeah. right. ill. Because and in fact now, the, with retroviral therapy, you know it's no longer a the fatal disease. Fatal disease. No. Mm. So. Hooray for science! Mm. Thank you, science. Mm. Praise science. Um, okay, yeah. so that's all the normal news items this week Indeed. and moving on to Woo Zealand let's go to Woo Zealand we've got quite Zealand. a bit more in Woo Zealand what another Ken Ken uh, ring this time <laughs> wins over the ASA with his accurate predictions yeah so this what is a bit the fuck yeah this is a bit of a scary story what on, let me find it a minute so Did they it was not... reported on stuff that Moon Man uses quake prediction to beat charge so um, a geochemist from Wellington Douglas Shepard Standards Authority about Ken Ring's um, predicting the weather website, essentially saying that he couldn't predict the weather. Uh, and so um, then, of course, it starts this dialogue between Ken Ring and the ASA. And what he has done is said, Well, I don't claim my predictions are 100% accurate, I claim 80 to 85% accuracy. And here are some claims to show that I was um, correct, uh, amongst which was predictions of earthquakes in Christchurch, um, of lambs dying in spring, uh, and a um, and some heat or something. And so, and so he claims to have predicted the big earthquake in Christchurch. Uh, oh, all sorts of things. Quite that simple. No, if but, you read further on. No, he says. Um, that he a does, tweet he sent on, on the 7th of September in 2010 said more big earthquakes in six months' time. So he says that that was a prediction of the... Um, sent four examples. But it, yeah. wasn't, but it wasn't specific enough no. to cause people to say we must leave the um, city on this date. What? Oh, some of his predictions were, and mm. then turned out not to be a... So, okay. So there's a couple of things to, to start with here. Um... Where can I start? All right. So the the um, the the uh, what's his name? Douglas Shepherd was basically saying that on the grounds of social responsibility and truthfulness, that that these sh the website shouldn't be allowed. And so he sent these these um, these evidence for things that he was correct. Um, and the ASA have upheld them, saying that they're not about the science, but that he has prov provided evidence that he can indeed predict things. Um, and what's really interesting is that everything he has sent are essentially cherry-picked. Yes, yes. Um, and there's a couple of things that people have done. So David Winter, in particular, who's one of the bloggers on Cyblogs, um, going back in... So in 2011, he went through rings website looking at all the predictions for earthquakes and stuff and showed that he predicted loads of earthquakes and loads of them were were misses and in fact he then also failed to pick up quite a few significant things so um it's kind of clear that that you know it is nonsense and it's kind of scary that the asa mm. have accepted it i mean it's um, been debunked for yeah several, several times. i mean but what's but what's actually so this kind of a classic case of the fact that we need to be working together to do these ASA complaints because the complaint was quite badly, like it could have been done better. And I think there's a ton of people who are getting really good at these. Yes. Um, and so one of the things that he claims is that he's not 100% accurate, only 80 to 85%. 
But again, David has been through his weather prediction stuff um, with some ha uh, help from some other people who released the data from um, Niwa, and they've gone back and looked at his predictions for things like rainfall and sunflower, uh, sun sunflower, sunshine, and Result and then compared sunflower. these with the actual values for by Niwa, and if we just look at rain for as an example, what David found was that. Ken Ring's predictions only had about a 35% accuracy, which is even less well, not than even if, you, yeah, yeah. if you tossed a coin. So you can actually get him on his 80 to 85% accuracy thing. Yeah. There are ways of doing this that, um, anyway, so what the, what the, there's a couple of interesting things. One is that he actually did make some changes to his website in response to this. And yet in, instead of calling it settled, they called it complaint not upheld. Right. But he did actually make some changes oh, okay. to make it show it was okay. clear that it was his opinion. Because one of the, um, the, the words they use further down here is that um, they're not... They're not arbiters of science. Not arbiters yeah. of scientific fact. Yeah. Its role was to consider the ad from the perspective of the likely audience and decide whether the claims were substantiated. So there's quite the a few things that are not... The take out from the advertisement was that he could make opinion-based weather predictions, yeah. which were often but not always accurate, and this was clear to consumers, which is bullshit. It's not clear to consumers at all, unless his changes have been quite drastic. It was more just about the fact that this was his opinion. Right. But it's what I love about the ASA complaints is that when they release their judgment, they release the complaint, and then they also release all of the um, literature from yes, both sides. From both sides. So the responses from Ken Ring are doing what King Ken Ring does, which is to um, he brings to the board's attention that. Um, who who has made the complaint mm. and says that that this person is an earth scientist and geophysicist who appears to have a bias towards people with different ideas and that true science entertains all ideas as relevant so this someone who seeks to suppress or hinder the work of another is not a scientist but a troublemaker and it would be a sad day if the asa took sides with every scientist who thought she he was the only one who was right and joined in bully bashing those expressing a different opinion and he goes oh, on and is. on and, done, and does this um he's so he's very saying, very good at the emotional appeals he's he? he's asking uh, what is to stop many people in an orchestrated campaign as has been suggested on the university of auckland skeptics website registering official complaints against me do i have to do this you know just because they disagree with the science do we have to go through this process again and again um yep i'm pretty sure you do because <laughs> i would like to do he this wants again. to know what his rights are as freedom of speech within his own website um why well that, i think that is a good point though i mean ultimately well, what what teeth does the asa have if not. somebody says this well, is fuck you i'm not going to make yeah. any changes they yeah, yeah that's a good point particularly on a website that is run by a private individual i mean what what yeah. are they going to do presumably on private servers and stuff like that mm. it's not much you can do um, um but his his right to free speech is exactly the same rights as someone has to yell fire in a crowded theater which we've said before one of the things that he does want to say is that um why is the asa not um going for met service who um, have a 14-day forecast despite the fact that they've admitted that they can't predict the weather 14 days in advance. And um, he links to some 
some guy appearing on seven sharp to say yep they, they don't their models aren't particularly good but people want to see a 14-day forecast so therefore there is one <laughs> that's actually almost a good point but at least they're actually using science and they have a fairly good chance of yeah. guessing the weather correctly 14 days yeah. in advance whereas a year in advance all you're doing is the best you can do is predict the general trend of the season mm. so that's pretty ironic and then yeah, it, here we goes uh so he's He's just talk, talks about the thought police and should we be banning fishing columns and horror um, <laughs> Well, not banning per se, but perhaps preventing them from selling their services. Uh, Falsely advertised. Yeah. Anyway. And that's the key difference. It's not freedom of speech. If you're selling a product, yeah. you have to be able to deliver that product yeah. as advertised. If you're advertising yeah. it as this is what I think the weather will be next yeah. year, then sell away. Yeah, but he doesn't. He says many, many times. He says prediction. He says yeah. um, forecast, mm-hmm. and those are yeah. We've been over this many, 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 many times. But the ASA. But, but but you are right though about the that we need to be better organised with the complaints we're making, and uh, I am reliably informed that there is some work going on behind the scenes which may make this possible. Excellent. Ah. Um, so the question is: Is there a sort of appeal for this? Can we relodge the complaint and get them to look at the evidence again? You can. Well, you can. You could put lodge another, another complaint. complaint. It complaint. would just have to be. It. It need. They need to be done well. And there are several people yeah. in New Zealand who are doing this really well. So yeah. So yes. we'd leave it to them as what people you said. Well, no. Just. Well, you can assist, but I think it would be pointless for you, as Nathan Grange, to go in half-hearted and put in a complaint sure. just yeah. because yeah. you thought that. Because uh, the one that, he, that they didn't consider all their evidence, and we know what Ken Ring is like. He's as slippery as, and. Yeah. And he will be able to make a case that is probably he's more dedicated to his cause than you will be to refuting him. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, it's his livelihood, isn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> mm. Honey. Honey. Oh, is that the next thing? Uh, uh, oh, that's not a term of endearment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sweetie. So. Um... <laughs> well, if we wanted to, while we're while we're talking about ASA complaints, why don't we? Um, give a shout out to um, Mark. Yes. Honey Church, not Honeyworth, as he was uh, written in the um, Herald, who has had a complaint against the weight management company Miraculous um, up, uh, upheld. Excellent. Um, well they've had to change. So they were basically saying that people lost loads of weight on their programs but essentially they're really dangerous calorie reduced diets and so they reach quite a lot of um the asa standards and so he's had a complaint upheld well done yeah one of the people who we is doing really well in this area speaking of honey <laughs> see it's <laughs> a segue okay um, get on with it honey, Unplanned segue, i'm sure honey gets a healing trial and the reason i've included this although people keep giving me a hard time for some reason, no, is that it better. sounds like pseudoscience. But not everything that sounds blush. like pseudoscience oh, is come on, not tell us, us that it is. It. I tell, never said that Nathan, it was. Nathan, tell us about it. I will if people stop giving me a hard time. <laughs> um, oh, we're the, the people healing, you're talking about. The healing power of Kanuka honey will be investigated in a new study. Um, so it's a Grafton-based optimal clinical trials and they're actually looking for people now, right now, suffering from, I don't know what that is, and acne, and children with nappy rash to take some part skin in... Some diseases. Some skin sort of skin disease. Right. Um, 
Rosa Sia, Rosa Sia, or Rosa yeah, Rosacea or something. Rosacea. Uh, to take part in trials testing the effectiveness of honey compared with standard treatments. Now, what I can't tell is whether this is a quack remedy or whether it's related to what Sean Holt is doing with medical-grade honey as... What is it his his honey is for? Well, so honey, lots of honey is being tested for... um, and one of the things that honey is really good at is killing bacteria. So it's right. being tested as wound dressings um, to see whether it can stop uh, infection and stuff like that. So, so from that point of a, view, it could very well. Yep. So acne is caused a, by bacteria and yep. stuff. So, so possibly um, skin rashes as well. Yeah. Like so that. certainly to stop them from getting infected, okay. um, whether that helps in the healing process, I don't know. So I'll tell you what's interesting about the story. So mm. Kanuka is actually Sean Holtz. It is, One. so that's his honey they're probably that's using. That's his honey. Okay. And um, uh, this goes back a couple of years. So the honey that most people know of as the, um, the honey that's got all the really good stuff is Manuka honey. Yes. And so it's got this Manuka factor or uh, methylgoxalate, which is the thing that seems to be what's great about Manuka honey. And there's very, so there's been some some reports of, um, you know, looking for other plants to see whether they have the same factor. Yes. Uh, and it seems to be a little bit divided. So there is research showing that Kanuka doesn't have very high levels of this stuff. And then Sean Holt is saying that actually there is high levels of these kinds of, of compounds in Kanuka honey. Um, and what's kind of interesting is um, it's a bit like there's two players in this game and they've both got conflicts of interest. So mm. I found the paper, a paper um, by some Convita guys who are the ones who essentially sell and, and are looking for uses for um, Manuka. And they, um, they studied manuka, kanuka, and some other things um, and looked at the effects on different bacteria, so how much kills them. They also looked for how much methylgoxalate they had in them, and they said that the, um, the kanuka had much less, like orders of magnitude less than the other stuff. But they obviously have this massive conflict of interest in that they are the ones who are selling manuka honey. Right. But their um, paper, so you could read it, it's published in the um, in PLOS One, so it's all open access. Um, there's a few things that look a little bit weird about it. But then when I had a look for what's been done on Kanuka, um, so this most recent thing is a paper by Sean Holt. Uh, where is it? Um, has high levels of methylgoxal and antimicrobial activity, Holt uh, et al. The Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine, published in 2012. So I went and had a look at this journal and um, all I can say is my alarm bells are ringing because the editor-in-chief is a member of the um, Faculty of Homeopathy Hmm. and most of the people, it's got a very, very low impact factor and most of the people involved in it are, um, I mean, it it covers chi, it covers Ayurveda, homeopathy, Subtle mm. energies and energy medicine. Um, mm. That's sort of not somewhere you would think to publish this stuff. So no, I'm well, surprised Sean surprising. didn't do better. Wow. 
frankly. Just for fun, I was trying to find the article and I found some actual results, uh, some actual studies that have been done healing with healing wounds with honey back from 2006. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the results were no significant difference. Right. But that's for healing wounds, I suppose. Which is, well, is a healing agent is just antibacterial. That's right. That, yeah. No, so whether it prevents... Bacteria. Um, bacteria but i know there were people looking at whether you could put it on wound on burns and stuff but again is that to stop it from getting infected or is that yeah. to um to actually heal them and i think yeah you're right the jury's out in the healing bits but mm. it's very clear that the honey uh, manuka honey certainly has got lots of antimicrobial activity okay yeah um, well yeah, i was just having a read is... about the difference between manuka and kanuka Okay. okay. And actually, difference? they're very similar. It's so as you would have thought that well, they were completely different plants, but actually, they are very similar. Well, and so one of the well, criticisms, one of the criticisms that's been placed on Sean Holt's stuff is that actually he's it's just manuka. Uh, it's been misidentified. It's, it's actually manuka honey, not oh. kanuka honey. All oh, right. Huh. And yes, the analysis, the, the differences are subtle between the actual yeah. vegetation. And the um, mm. it was the uh, former IRL now Callahan Innovation who did the testing to look at whether it had the methyl groxalate and um, they are saying well they 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 just tested what they were given what they were get it doesn't mean that what they were given was kanuka honey right okay mm. anyway which i suppose is is difficult to be sure isn't it because you just sort of plant the um plant the bees and hope they go for the right the right trees or whatever yeah so but anyway that's Mm, sort of interesting interesting. but the point is everybody's got a conflict of interest they're all trying to make money out of it and um, i can't believe sean holt published where he did but But it is interesting they are doing a proper trial absolutely yeah but what they're having a (laughs) trial trial of this is true well maybe we have to get him back and ask him some hard questions this time Mm. uh right so that's honey and you've just covered that okay New Zealand Herald publishes article on the chupacabra. Yes. What the fuck? Well, they've put a picture a what? of what is claimed to be a chupacabra. Texas family claimed to have killed a mythical creature. Um, oh, of course. So for those who don't know, the chupacabra... Is it like a dog or something? It looks a bit sort of coyote-like. Oh, yeah, like a wild dog of some sort. Yeah, it's a bit blurry. Um, so they're saying that um, this was a family in Texas. The chupacabra is a mythical creature with a reputation for sucking blood of livestock. Some people have just shot one and everybody's convinced um, it's not a coyote or anything like that. Um, and <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of it. What's the, um, so why they published this, I'm not quite sure. But What's the penalty for killing a myth- mythical creature? Do they get fined or...? <laughs> Well, you think that they... Um... So they've actually got it. Well, they've I don't know, actually. Have they? Well, they've killed it. Well, if yeah, you... But... But, but hang on, hang on, hang on. That, that is not a chupacabra. If you go to Wikipedia and look up a chupacabra, that is not what it looks like. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> it's got it's got spines down its back. It stands on two feet. It's... That's nothing like that. <laughs> so, and it's green. It's got so green skin. Craig, <laughs> Craig says and... it's not a chupacabra. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, ah, so it says descriptions of chupacabra sightings are varied, but many claim it closely resembles a coyote, but with a skinny body covered in matches, mat- matted patches of fur, which sounds just like a sick coyote, to be it honest. Does, it does. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Physical descriptions of the creature vary. 
There's purportedly a heavy creature the size of a small bear with a row of spines reaching from the neck to the base of the tail. So there you go, guys. Wicked. <laughs> anyway, why that? Well, I guess they're uh, slow news day. Yeah, mm. obviously. Not really Woo Zealand either because it's in Texas. But, but no, but it was the New Zealand. It was the New Zealand Herald. Woo, woo. Yeah, well done, New Zealand being... Herald. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> So, um, that's all of our news, is it? That's all the yeah. news. Sorry, guys. Sorry that wasn't more interesting. Oh, it's very interesting. And so now we move on to our next segment with a confusing name, which I'm not sure what we're up to there. Somebody's Dubious Devices. Says Susie's here. Delia. Delia. Sorry, Delia's Dubious Devices. This one comes courtesy of Craig, but I couldn't resist um, doing this one. The chesty belt, which um, chesty belt, chesty bra. bra, which only unhooks when you're in true love. Well, I can see one problem with that straight away. Go on then. Well, how do you take it off to have a shower? Well, I was I was wondering about that. It, it, nobody mentions <laughs> like once you've got it in, you're in it. Yeah. I presume you guys do wash the bras and yeah. swap them out every yeah, now yeah, and then. Yeah, yeah, we do. We mm. do. I have yeah. seen different bras, I'm sure. <laughs> um so yeah it's essentially it's a bra with a uh monitor a little device that monitors your heartbeat and then it sends that information to uh your smartphone and which then monitors your heartbeat and then when it reaches what looks like a certain pattern that they're suggesting is true love then it will flick open at the front and (laughs) And there's actually some great footage on the way we're going to put the youtube footage up i'm showing it kind of pinging off this um this uh you know the um mannequin type thing oh mannequin looks like actually you'd need to sort of stand back because it's (laughs) nathan's not going to watch it now (laughs) it's only a mannequin there is also a lady a rather lovely looking lady wearing one too while a man tries to get it off her Ah. but he is not having much success success it's a very nice looking bra challenge accepted <laughs> um yeah so um there's obviously the, a number the, of the bra remains this. firmly locked shut most of the time <laughs> so all you have to do is get there at the right time of the day um also i like breasts very much don't get me wrong but there's sort of about 50 percent of the equation there what's what's protecting the other half Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> I can't get to your breasts, but... <laughs> so... I don't <laughs> see it. That is not what I said. 50%. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of... Oh, never mind. Key areas that you're trying to get to. Keep digging, Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> That's what? what she said. So the the um, little video they have advertising it or talking about it has got these Japanese guys talking about the sensors and things and they show, because uh, one of the worries is obviously that every time you run for a bus or if you're kind of slightly, yeah, like heart your heart rate, rate is elevated, like you might and be nervous pure. about something. So the suggestions <laughs> is, you know, when you're at a job interview or something like that, you're might ping open unexpectedly but you wouldn't um, be wearing it to a job interview well you might not be able to get out of it anyway or if the job interviewer was quite attractive here suddenly bring hello boys um anyway so yeah this is just a kind of funny funny device um but when reading about it i heard about um or read about durex's vibrating underwear 
Had you heard about this? This is a little bit of an old story, but I think we should talk about it anyway. Isn't this cool. similar to last, last month's? It's called. No, that was an alarm clock. Oh, it was an alarm clock. Yeah. Oh, sorry, quite right. This is Thunderware, which yeah. has been developed by Durex. Um, and this, I can't find whether anything's actually happened is it, with it. Is it is it it's, fun to wear? Well, it's underwear, his and hers, ah. with kind of vibrating bits in them. So the bra and the and then the knickers or the undies. Um, and the idea is that when uh, when you are skyping your person who 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 is not there, um, you use your device to vibrate bits of their undies. Uh, and they've just got this hilarious. <laughs> clip of two people in their undies doing it with each other well, that is uh, and genius. it's kind of um it just looks quite funny and when he starts it looks like he's just given her electric shock she kind of goes oh <laughs> leaps up anyway it was sort of hilarious um sort of hilarious it was quite hilarious genius. Uh, it's genius yeah but i don't know this was sort of back in 2012 2000 i was gonna say it doesn't sound like new technology no so it's, it's not we're talking but, about for years yeah since but the 90s Durex, this um, has been a but Durex now have actually made You them. know a bit too much about this, I think, Nathan. <laughs> too much? <laughs> um, this is something you could develop in your own garage. Yes. Well, I don't know if you'd convince anyone to put it on, <laughs> but you certainly could try. I like But one of the comments I've just seen is, so it's, it's obviously this, it's basically... For the ladies, it's kind of bra and knickers. Yes. And somebody said here, clearly designed by men, because if a woman had designed it, it would be a full body, body suit. suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Excellent. Uh, anyway, it's quite funny. So there you go. Some some dubious devices. Uh, right. Well done. Thank you, Susie. Can I just make a vote? Can I vote that you do this from now on instead <laughs> okay. of the goddamn Ponson being used? Sure. Yes. <laughs> I was going to rant about the Journal of no, Natural that's Medicine because that. there's a new edition of it, but it's just so full of bullshit. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Excellent. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so we're short on interviews at the moment. So if anyone has any ideas for interviews or wants to be interviewed and you've got something interesting to say, let us know. And we'll move on to the quote of the day. Craig? Indeed, I do have a quote. And um, there's this guy by the name of Carl Sagan who says... Those afraid of the universe as it really is, those who pretend to non-existent knowledge and envision a cosmos centered on human beings would prefer the fleeting comforts of superstition. Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan. Cosmos is um, starting... Being remade. It's on TV now, is it? I think it starts very soon, actually. Yes. Word of the day. I'm talking about the word of the day without introducing it so that I can cut it easier. Okay. Word of the day. You have to choose one that you can actually pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) Word of the day is idolum, which is a mental image or a logical fallacy. But here's the thing. I've done some Googling and I can't find out what the logical fallacy is. Presumably something to do with having mental images of things. Or is it to do with... With or um, idols, idols, um, yeah. I don't know, so which that is would a mental be idol. no, but and uh, the idol thing wouldn't that be kind of thingy by authority from authority or something? Possibly, but I can't. Actually, what I didn't do is I didn't just look for lists of logical fallacies. So, what I was going to say is, if anybody knows, oh, we'll yeah, have it a says look. here an insubstantial image, a spectre or phantom. Yeah. Uh, we're going to look on Wikipedia now, and if we can't find it, we'll have a challenge. Anyone that can tell me what the fallacy is specifically for well it's not necessarily a logical fallacy it's just uh, something 
No, it's in the definition. One of the definitions is logical fallacy. It's oh, either right. a mental image or a logical fallacy. So um, we'll have a bit of a look around. Well, if anyone can tell me what According to Wikipedia, it's... it's also the 2008 album of the Italian. Excellent. Hang on, this says here Idola theatry oh, yeah. is a type of tendency towards logical fallacy or error, normally translated as idol of the theatres. Okay, interesting. So, what does that mean? So, if anyone's got a better explanation than that, send us a hmm. message on Facebook. Um, Idols which have immigrated into men's minds from the various dogmas of philosophies and also from wrong laws of demonstration. Okay. Well, try translating that. <clears throat> Very good. So, that's our show for today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to send us a message, uh, check out our Facebook page. Um, just search for The Cusp for the completely unnecessary sceptical podcast. And if you think that's incredible speed, we invite you. <laughs> Anyway, that was kind of a roundabout way of, of reading that out, I guess, but um, I thought it was funny. So, thank Get you, on with Karen. that. Shut up. This is good. This is the feedback okay. from our listeners, which is an important part of the show, and we spend our time <laughs> responding <laughs> to your concerns. God, heaven forbid if there were 10 emails. Well, if there were 10, we might have to pick two or three to deal with at a time. So send us lots of emails, guys, or Facebook messages even. We'll better. pick the most interesting ones. Yes. 